This episode is brought to you by 2 Before Performance Nutrition. 2 Before is a natural sports performance supplement made from New Zealand blackcurrant berries. There's a growing body of evidence behind these berries for improving endurance and kickstarting recovery. With a sweet and tangy berry flavor, you can mix it in water, juice, sports drinks, and smoothies. For optimal results, drink daily 30 to 60 minutes before training. Use code INDIANA30 online at 2before.com for 30% off 20-pack products and free shipping. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli, and this is my portion of the podcast where I sit down with some of the best coaches and athletes from around the state, past and present. We discuss the highs and lows of their running or coaching journeys, the key insights they've gained along the way, and often dive into the bigger picture beyond the course of the track, the things that make them human, not just elite runners or coaches. Following is an interview with John Lada. John is the current head boys cross country and distance coach at Brownsburg High School. During this interview, we talked John not starting running until senior year of high school, his decision to run for the University of Southern Indiana, the highs and lows of his time at USI, his journey into teaching and coaching, lessons learned and key moments from coaching a variety of sports at Tell City, making the move to Brownsburg, how his first year as cross country head coach has gone, all things state this year, and much more. This is probably the hardest I've laughed on an interview thus far. John is super down to earth and easy to connect with. Having taken the helm of one of the most promising programs in the state, I was impressed by John's desire to learn and grow as a coach and take this opportunity head on. Having come from a smaller school in Tell City, I enjoyed hearing John's desire to bring the small school feel to Brownsburg. Thank you guys for listening to and supporting this podcast. We couldn't do it without you. As always, hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Without further ado, I give you John Lada. All right, Coach Lada, welcome to the Indiana Runner Podcast. How's it going? Oh, it's going well. Thank you guys for having me. Excited to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how's the winter been? Have you guys started back up winter conditioning on break, or what? What's that look like? Yeah, we um, we have honestly where we have a bunch of different uh, that people are currently going um some guys are getting done with their club season they went all the way through running lane and even the usatf meet in louisville um we have guys who kind of started training on their own you know some of those guys that were done at sectional uh, that have been training on their own since october and they're ready for their first down week uh i think next week uh next week or the next two weeks they kind of get to choose based on what their breaks look like. Uh, but outside of that, a lot of guys are just either first or second week back. A lot of the varsity guys are just starting up and it's, it's going really well. Had a few time trials here and there, but uh, they're kind of picking up right where they left off from the fall. For sure. So with guys on different schedules, have you gotten any time off? Like do you have, I guess, a week or two weeks where it's like no practice or? We, we take that, uh, we took the week after state and our, our coaches kind of went a different way. One of our coaches, um, he actually heads up the club, so he continued that on with them. Um, and then myself and another one of the coaches, we took a week where we didn't, you know, really do much at all, um, but started kind of, you know, we had that guidance going forward. And a lot of guys were ready to get ready. Uh, it's kind of, it's interesting whenever you look at, you know, JV to people who are just kind of developing into runners who want to be varsity athletes. I mean, they're done sectionals or regionals even, yeah. uh, depending on how many people on the tournament roster. Uh, so they, they've really kind of um, 
really set the tone already for some of our varsity guys coming back. So we we had a bit of time off, but I think any time a little too much time can I get a little bit bored. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you doing this, taking the time to talk about your life, talk about coaching. We start off each podcast with what's called tier talk. So we rank our top three favorite things in a certain category. And this week, kind of Christmas-y, I feel like cookies are kind of Christmassy. Uh, we're going to rank our top three cookie flavors. Hope you're a cookie fan or this is going to be a little awkward. Um, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll let you go first. That's fine. Okay. So to prepare for this, I like Googled a list of cookies just to like jog my my memory of all the, the different options out there. And I I landed on like probably the three most like basic ones, <laughs> but they're, you know, they're tried and true. They're classics. Uh, so number three, snickerdoodle. But like when, when I'm in the mood for a snickerdoodle, I'm like really in the mood for a snickerdoodle. But sometimes it's just, I don't know, it's a little too much, but it's like perfect when it's, when the time is right. Number two, kind of like the, the older brother of the snickerdoodle, the OG, uh, the sugar cherry cookie. Um, it's classic. I don't know. You can't can't go wrong with that. And I feel like it's so versatile, especially around the holiday times. You can decorate it. You can put icing on it. There's just so much you can do with a good old sugar cookie. Uh, number one, probably the most classic cookie there is, and hard to mess up. Pretty easy to to make good is the the chocolate chip cookie. Um, I don't know. I was, when I was preparing this list as well, I couldn't think of like. If I had to go get a cookie right now, like where I would go, like who, who makes the best cookies, but I think chocolate chip would be my first and what I would get if I went to this imaginary place. <laughs> so those are my top I three. I had to, because uh, I'm not actually the biggest sweets person. If it was a top three list about cheese, it would have been done in five seconds, but I you said cheese? the same thing. Oh, cheese. Yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not the sweetest. I know that's, yeah, whatever, but uh, I'm not the sweetest uh sweet tooth around however i did manage to kind of come up with an idea and actually got i did kind of what you're talking about i went to a place just to kind of get that figured out but i'm going to pivot at the beginning because i think my favorite dessert of all is like pumpkin rolls uh i think seasonally of the fall that would that would be number one but this is about cookies uh number three uh goes along with your number one chocolate chip uh the chips ahoy chewy i know it's store-bought it's not anything special but it's got some nostalgia in it and, you know, just coming home from school and, you know, there's a few of those in there. You grab, you know, one or two more than you're supposed to and <laughs> you're good to go for the, you're good to go for the evening. Uh, number two is a cookie I had last week during, uh, so Crumble obviously does different cookies every single week. Mm. Uh, red Velvet, it was a mm -hmm. sandwich cookie with cream filling in the middle and, and it was, it was unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> But the number one would probably be the Funfetti sugar cookie. Pretty much anything that's Funfetti, um, <laughs> I'm going for. Uh, it could be cakes. It could be cupcakes. It could be anything. I mean, you, you you can't really think of a bad cookie. The only instance that I have of a bad cookie was probably uh, Park Tudor does this track series during the summer. And for some mm -hmm. reason, they had a four by four that was donut holes. Okay. But they weren't, they weren't kind about it. And they used cake like cake donut donut holes oh yeah yeah and i've never experienced you know choking and running a 400 uh <laughs> at the same time but there that was so that's great um yeah. all right two questions i've never had a pumpkin roll what what is it okay so um 
think <laughs> it's great. Uh, let me think, because <laughs> I've never made one. My wife has made one. I've had them at the store. Um, think cream cheese, uh, pumpkin flavored cake, and some sort of spices, uh, dry spices, kind of uh, you know flaked on top, and you yeah. got yourself a pumpkin roll. Uh, it's the cream cheese is what kind of really makes it, and depends on you know if they make the the pumpkin roll itself kind of moist and uh, not dry, you're, you're going to have a pretty good product there. No, they're great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Second question is, can do you, off the top of your head, can you rank your top three favorite cheeses? I'm curious. Top three favorite cheeses. All right. So you got to be careful because um, <laughs> just because they smell bad doesn't mean they taste bad. Just remember oh, that. That's, that's, your point. that's, and a lot of people don't realize that. Um, I would say whenever we think of, top three favorite cheeses you can't go wrong with nacho because it can just go on anything it's not classy but it's there <laughs> you know it's there at birthdays it's there at super bowls it's there when you need it uh, number two would probably be um probably gouda i wouldn't go smoke gouda that's a little too much um you know in the other direction you know you want something savory and the smoking you know some people would describe the savory but uh, and then number three would probably be the stinky cheese uh, called Stilton and it, mm. it smells horrible but <laughs> you know and not everyone's going to agree with this but you know you have that towards the end of a meal and you're, you're feeling pretty pretty happy with your choices so, so what does it taste like it, surprising that, that's it <laughs> I, I can't it, you will like you're not you're probably not gonna try it. it's fine but uh you smell it and it's it's nothing to write home about it, okay. it smells like the inside of a running shoe <laughs> you know uh, a shin guard after a soccer tournament that's mm -hmm. that's kind of the whiff that you're going for but the taste is taste is surprising so i think so i've tried this this cheese for the first time maybe like two years ago and it's one of the ones where like you can't judge a book by its cover that's blue cheese mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you feel about blue cheese blue cheese is fine whenever whenever <laughs> you know when it's made right um yeah. Because sometimes people go a little too blue or they don't use, you know, the red blue cheese. But I'm a big fan of like blue cheese stuff, olives, not not so much of the dressing, but um, anything paired with an olive kind of kind of gets you on in the right way. So, yeah. 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 I had it on a, a pizza and it was it was like a good amount. It was like a little subtle added, yeah. added dimension to it, you know. All right. So our second icebreaker was called Car Thoughts. So we share the thoughts that. You've been having in the car, on a run, when you're alone, basically. And so I've been reading this book called Outlive. Um, it's like the science and art of longevity. And one thing that, that stuck out to me, I don't know, there's it's obviously chock full with a ton of, of really good information, but he said that like as you age, um, oftentimes there'll be like one injury or one inflection point that that sets someone back. And they kind of just never get back on the horse. And it made me think about running in that, like, if you run for any length of time, you're going to get injured at some point. And oftentimes, especially if you go into college and post-college, like, you're going to get injured multiple times. And, like, learning the lessons and skills necessary to recover and to come back from an injury um, that you get from running I feel like it's really critical to carry into to your later years of life. Um, like, 
for someone who doesn't experience that, especially as they're younger and see themselves like get hurt, not be able to do something and come back from it. I could see how it'd be a lot harder, especially as your body uh, ages to come back for that. So I thought, I don't know, it's interesting like lessons to be learned that can apply as you get older. Um, my not so serious thought, this isn't necessarily a thought, but when I was thinking about what do I think about in the car, um, I'm definitely one, I'll go a slower route, especially like for, if I'm going like from the grocery to home or like the common routes, I'd rather go like a slower, more scenic route than like the, the highway. I feel like, even though it's like obviously faster to go or typically faster to go highway, like the, the mental trick of, of a new scenery or something more to look at feels faster. So I'm more of a, more of a scenic route kind of guy. Um, but yeah, so that's what I've been kind of thinking about over the past week or so, but, uh, what's been on, on your mind the past couple of weeks? No, I definitely, I definitely agree with that, uh, slower route for common driving routes. Um, it, it really is nice to see, um, and just to notice things that you'd never noticed before, even, you know, as the, all the way you see a house that you never saw before, you know, tucked back into the woods, it's, it's pretty, yeah. um, but no, most of the time. Most of my car thoughts are taken up, you know, podcasts and music, but there's definitely periods of time whenever um, it's kind of fully you know, immersed with the thoughts. Um, serious, I would say serious is kind of, it, it's pretty serious, you know. Um, am I doing enough? I think that kind of hits, you know, a lot of people ways because from am I doing enough, you kind of wonder, you know, what is enough mm -hmm. um, because you think about whatever you know what all you're doing whether it's with family or coaching or teaching or your job if you're not a teacher um you know there is such a thing as too much there is such a thing as too little and trying to pinpoint exactly what it is that is just the right amount it you know, honestly it's almost like a never-ending uh, question to kind of figure it out um relates to you know are you happy with what you're doing or are the people around you happy with what you're doing um, on the not so serious thoughts, I have just, you know, I have thoughts all the time and I'd, sometimes I'm, you know, I think, do it, did I really think that, um, typically I'm trying to come up, come up with something like funny to, you know, share with other people. So, you know, just driving and even in the past two days, I was thinking of like little bits I could do on this podcast, you know, like you hear <laughs> a knock on your door, there's 10 wings in descending order of spiciness. And I'm like, you're on hot ones. Like. <laughs> <laughs> dumb things like that <laughs> in my mind because I, I thought about this like uh just kind of thinking and not so serious thoughts or just little bits that you can do to kind of you know be funny here and there um you know if I talked in an accent the entire time if I put my headphones in on like after 10 minutes and it's obvious that I'm playing Lego Fortnite or League of Legends or something <laughs> um that's, awesome. that's that's pretty much what my not so serious thoughts are it, it typically kind of I try to guide myself towards humor uh, and you know, we all like funny things. So. That's great. Or you like, oh, you yeah. get on the zoom and like, I notice your background is my kitchen and you're <laughs> yeah, it's like, Hey, like, wait, are you in my, are you in my kitchen? <laughs> What's going on? And that, that's pretty much it. There, I mean, there was a, God, there was an entire week period after like Norm Macdonald died, a comedian came oh, um, and I had to his joke about the, the moth and the lamp. And I was trying to come up with my oh, own yeah. joke about the moth on the lamp, and it, 
it, it, that took plenty of car rides of me just trying to think of how I could make a joke last two minutes longer that not leading to anywhere yeah. and finally getting to a punchline that's not great, but you already did your job for yourself and, mm. and you just feel great about it. So, yeah. <laughs> I wonder, that, how, long you could, I go. I wonder how long you would have lasted if you started talking in an accent. <laughs> it wouldn't have been long. I, I could have gone longer on the joke than the yeah. accent. I've actually done the joke with my team and it was about <laughs> 20% thought it was funny and 80% was that's, that's so enough. confused. Yeah, that's yeah. Enough, coach. You're good. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so on your, your serious thought, like when you say, like, am I doing enough? Is it like balancing? Like, if I, am I giving enough attention to all the things in my life? Or is it like the quality of, of the job you're doing? Or what kind of perspective are you thinking about it? Um, it's definitely the quality. It's just, I think every every coach typically is their hardest critic. Um, and, and I think new coaches experience this a lot, um, almost doing too much all the time when probably the best thing to do is to step back. You can be more effective whenever you're just kind of seeing, interpreting what's going on than, than what's going on. But even, I think I'm like 10 years into coaching. Um, I, I still wonder, you know, am, am I doing enough? It, is the communication enough? Is the team building enough? Is is everything enough? And then, again, on the super serious note, it goes, you know, into your family and it goes into uh, relationships with, you know, extended family. Am, am I mm -hmm. communicating enough? Am I doing it? So really kind of that introspective piece that, sadly, I don't always have the answer. You know, sometimes I have good answers. Sometimes I have answers that I'm not super proud of. But it kind of continue to work on that as we, you know, move forward. So yeah for sure is that like a like a continuous thought or are you are you one that like i'm gonna look at this week i'm gonna look at the month like like what i'm doing and am i doing enough those kind of things or is this more like a on the fly kind of taking inventory kind of thing i'd say i'd say that thought it it, it ebbs it kind of comes back every now and then it, it's not every week but mm -hmm. um you know, it'd probably be yearly. I mean, this time of year kind of makes sense for that. It's kind of reflecting on what we're doing um, throughout the year. You know, we think of the state tournaments, but then we also think of, you know, how do we include the parents? How do we do mm -hmm. this with the team? How did we make the freshmen feel like they're valued? Um, but it, I don't know, that thought can be, that can, thought can be go a lot of ways, so. At uh, at some point we should do a part two of this and just do bits the whole time. <laughs> oh, it'd be great. I was thinking, you know, lights off, sunglasses on. <laughs> what am I doing? I don't know. It's that that's typically again on bring it back to monopsis here. That that's mostly what goes through my head. Yeah, that's great. so great. Awesome. Well, we're gonna dive into your story and then talk all things coaching. So we'll start from the beginning. Um, how'd you get your start in running? What were the beginnings like? Did you do other sports? Uh, yeah, what was life like in the younger years? Man, this is a great answer. Um, I hated running. I could <laughs> not stand it. I um, I did not like it. I think the up until 12th grade, I my best running achievement was, I think I ran like a 647 on the presidential fitness um test i don't think they do that anymore either um 
but that, that's probably my claim to fame with running. But outside of that, I, I hated it. I, my cousin who coach, he's Northeast head coach right now. He was two grades up for me, James Brown, James Brown, sorry. He had tried to get me to come out for the team for years. I, and I remember I, I was being, you know, a little arrogant at the time. And I went on a run with him thinking running's not a big deal. It, it's fine. It was in middle or early high school. And I, I'm pretty sure I was walking before the half mile. Uh, moving on after that, I remember for some reason, our, our soccer team had a 1600 time trial. And I don't remember if I'm remembering this right, but um, basically you had to hit a certain time to be on the team. I DNF. I had had uh, Chinese food two hours before lunch. Uh, and I just, I think I quit after two and a half, three laps. Uh, I, I don't understand how I've kind of gotten into running. I mean, I do now, but at the time, as a freshman or sophomore in high school, you would have surprised me had I said, yeah, you're going to, you're going to go into running. You're going to coach running. That never would have thought. I mean, my senior year, I hated running so bad. I mutinied to soccer practice and I was benched the next game because they were making us run as punishment. Mm. I, I had, it just wasn't my thing. So actually about three months before we had a new soccer coach, he was there for about a month. He, he got a job in a different district. Uh, before the summer was up, but he kind of made me see, you know, the importance of running and honestly, the importance of being fit. I think he went to the University of Cincinnati, um, ran like 155 in 2005 or something like that. But he finally made me understand, you know, running isn't just a punishment and it's not just a secondary sport, which mm-hmm. sadly, a lot of people coming from middle school and, and going into the major sports, that's kind of what they see. They did cross country because sixth grade was, you know, the only, that was the only sport that you had besides that and wrestling. Mm. And I think there's tennis. Um, so they tried it and some of the guys are pretty good, but they just don't understand running. They don't understand what it could be. Um, but yeah, my start with running was, it was pretty bad. I, I did not like it. I was not a big fan. Um, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what you could do with that. Uh, but all of a sudden, uh, I don't know what influenced me. I think part of it was I was looking into soccer and in the area that I was in, in the Terre Haute, Brazil area, our, our travel team, I remember the year before, we would show up to games and have nine people. Um, so I was a soccer player before and we would have nine people and that, that just didn't really work for me. Um, I had played soccer pretty much straight through my childhood all the way through my senior year, I never signed up for anything else. Um, I think in Norfew, I think I still have the gold scored record and some others there, but I, I don't know, I'm really kept in contact. Um, but whenever I think about running, I, I really don't specifically remember what it was, but I think it was that one coach that I had in the summer. And very often you'll see that you'll have that one coach that for some reason connects with you and convinces you to start running. And whenever I started running my you know, first year track in January, I, I really needed something at that time to focus on and to do and running just kind of happened to be it. So. So obviously running is a big part of soccer. Um, was like the game itself, like distracting enough from the running part or like, did you hate that part of soccer as well? Or Our coaches never in soccer, we conditioned, but it just wasn't the same way. It didn't really like running that often um so whenever you think about and to be to 
completely like completely fair um soccer is very different in different parts of the state so in the part of the state that i was in um you could get away with being a little unconditioned mm-hmm. but still you know being kind of talented or being you know, like having certain skills or having a team that you kind of rely on um and it's definitely nowhere near today where there's travel clubs absolutely everywhere and you know anyone can join anything and um you know soccer wasn't as high level as it is today i mean if i wanted to you know join a travel team um kind of going forward i would have had to have driven to indy um the ones in my area as i said like show up to a game with nine people and that, that was pretty much it so so did you not run until your senior year? Yeah, I didn't run until January. Then probably I hated running until October. Um, really? Something happened, and I I really don't remember what, but I remember starting running, and it could have been, you know, Coach Gamble, um, or it could have been Coach Smith. And for some reason – just the the joy of running and the joy of getting out and doing something for myself really kind of spoke to me. Hmm. Uh, Whereas soccer would have been, you know, another six months of showing up to games where we don't have enough people. And I wasn't planning on, you know, playing soccer going forward. So uh, yeah, no, in track first, first month and I loved it. And I don't remember why I loved it, but I, I, again, it was one of the things that I really needed at the time. Um, I mean, my first indoor meet was at ISU, and I think it was on the track before they had, they had had it done. Um, I quickly about you know pacing, you know, going out your first race ever in 59, and then running 217 for 800. That that taught me, you know, that taught me a pretty good lesson. And then I don't remember if it was the same day or something, but I I remember my first 3200 was probably 1149, um, but kind of working through that, I, I just found that I really liked the way that running made me feel. And I, we see that on our teams as well. You see the guy who, who they just love it. And and they're the guy that drops three minutes from freshman year to sophomore year. Um, they're the guy that just picks up on it. And you don't have to worry about, you don't even have to worry about like building culture with this kid because they got it because they intrinsically love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that outside of, just joining that i i played soccer i was in marching band might as well go ahead and give a shout out uh class b 2004 state champs hey. right, thank you bob medworth right on uh band director absolute legend in brazil um learned a few things from him from management as well and and probably with coaching i've learned more from from non-runners about kind of what to do than i have from from coaches who have completely been you know a part of they were you know in middle school so so did you know that you wanted to do some kind of sport in college or like what what motivated you to to do track your senior year um honestly being part of a being part of a team and my cousin finally being right james you're finally right uh (laughs) about joining He, he had tried for years and i just just brushed him off every single time I didn't think that it was for me I didn't like it I didn't like how I went on a half mile run with him and he destroyed me and it was just a normal mm-hmm. run he wasn't going fast or anything um, but 
it, something happened where it, it just felt right and I enjoyed the way that it made me feel. Um, it, and it's, it was interesting joining um, as a senior and never doing it because you'll see it with middle schoolers. Like you get a sixth grader and you're training him or her to be the best that they can and they don't question it. They, they have no idea anything different. And then you get a freshman or sophomore who's never run and it hurts and I don't want to do this. There's mm -hmm. just this insane divide between sixth and ninth or 10th graders of trying running for the first time and realizing it's okay that it hurts this bad and it's okay. And I'm going to get better. Um, Cause I, I, we truly do see that. We see sixth graders who fearless and then ninth graders that, Oh, I'm not good at it. I don't, I don't really feel so that, that part of maturing. So it was a little odd for me specifically to kind of pick it up and want to do it. Um, Cause it was hard. It, it was, I was not, you know, even close to number one on the team. Uh, my first race, I got lapped by people multiple times in the 3,200 uh, and it, but again, and I think, and I hope, you know, a lot of the guys on anyone's team realizes that, you know, no matter where you are, it, can matter and you matter and you know kind of what you're going through um, no matter where you are you might never be varsity but if it makes you feel good and you feel like you're contributing to the team then it really does matter so yeah absolutely I can agree more with that um like thinking back on it now is it pretty I don't know what do you think about so you go from you know starting track your senior year and, and hating it out, out of the gate to then like running in college like that it's a pretty quick transformation um at what point in your senior year did you realize that A, could be a thing, and that B, you wanted to continue running in, in college? Uh, it took a while. Uh, uh, honestly, it took a long while. I had, uh, and this kind of goes into a couple highlights and lowlights of, of, you know, running in high school. Um, highlight would definitely be, you know, guys that I met because of joining track are guys that I talk to pretty much every day today. Mm -hmm. I, I, I talk to them every day. They're in a group chat. We talk every single day. Um, so then kind of how does that translate to me, you know, running in college? I didn't know what I was really going to do sports wise until June. I had a roommate at IU. Um, I had been, accepted by IU I'd done all you know I was going to IU I wasn't going to run maybe I'd do intramurals something like that but probably in April or May one of my coaches who had gone to USI uh, Chad Smith kind of just said you know why don't you try it why don't you look at it you know coach Hillier takes walk-ons uh, and not just walk-ons he like he cares about the walk-ons and he'll, he'll give you a shot he'll give you a fair shot at what you need so just ended up in June sometime going down with my grandparents and I love the campus. I like the idea of trying it. I am one of the few kids in the state of Indiana that wasn't fully excited about going to IU. Um, and I, I just switched, I switched then and there I applied. Um, and honestly, the rest is, is kind of how it landed. Um, and it's been probably one of the better decisions that I've made just personally, again, just kind of not going too deep into it, but running was something that I really needed in high school. So kind of transitioned mm. into college as well. Yeah. So how was that transition? Like obviously you made pretty big kind of life altering decision to, you know, switch colleges, pursue running and obviously 
now that you're 10 years into coaching, like it's had a big impact on your life. Um, yeah, how was the transition to new school, new city, new team, you're walking on, all that good stuff? If you'd like to continue listening to this episode of the podcast, you'll need to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Indiana Runner. Once you do, you'll get access to all full-length episodes of the interview portion of the podcast, in addition to other subscriber-only content, including extra content on race previews and recaps, book club episodes, the ability to ask my guests questions, and much more. Thanks again for listening to and supporting this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you on Patreon.